The Roundball Project is brought to you by Striptease, the one-stop shop for the discerning Australian football fan. They specialise in designing football-centric shirts, hoodies, phone cases and masks. Yes, masks. Plus a whole lot more so you can look as good around town as you do at the game. Find them at striptease.com.au. That's S-T-R-I-P-T-E-E-S dot com dot A-U. Enjoy the podcast. Did the fullback bring him down? First time, maybe even second time. Still we go on. Juric has dribbled his way clear. Welcome to the Round Ball Project. I'm your host, Neil Simons, and joining me is the Ladies League contributor, Michelle Morris. If you aren't familiar with the Ladies League, they are a wonderful group of individuals who cover the game broadly from such an intriguing perspective and have placed a lot of effort into covering uh, the Women's World Cup bid, which which we were successful, which is fantastic. And uh, I'm really excited for this conversation. I think uh, the Ladies League definitely deserve a larger voice within our Australian footballing community. And it's an honor to speak to... Uh, you, Michelle, and I hope we have a fantastic conversation today. Yeah, me too. Hopefully it's good. Sure. So give us some background into the Ladies League, I guess. When was it established and uh, why was it established? What void um, does and did the A-League, did the Ladies League uh, fill? Yeah, I think um, I kind of joined in a bit later than um, some of the other people, but I think it started like back in 2018 as a a means for our our overlord Rose to um, speak about football from a women's perspective without being known, I suppose, and without getting this sort of um, unwanted uh, negative attention from certain people on the internet. And I think, uh, you know, it was a great way to kind of have an opinion and a voice as a woman in football and, um, yeah, you know, now it's just about people know who we are and, and it's about, you know, making a joke about the game and having fun with it. And I guess, yeah, it's it's about that woman's voice to to the game. And uh, sort of, is there like a underlying goal of the Ladies League? Obviously, you mentioned a little bit of that uh, within your first sort of <laughs> um, statement. But uh, what's, I guess, the broader goal of the Ladies League is... Is it sort of to bring more attention to the women's game or just to give more attention to women covering the game as well? Or is it just, you know, just sort of just describe that, I guess. It's really, yeah, it's a really uh, yeah, powerful I mean, institution of means for sure. Yeah, I, I think for us it's um, giving a voice to women in football, not so much like talking about the women's game, but for women who enjoy the game and allowing us to have a voice in in this world, I suppose. Yeah, and I guess uh, what's, each, what's each individual's involvement within the Ladies' League? Obviously, um, there's all media pieces, uh, lots of videos and, and articles and a lot of content on Twitter to, to digest <laughs> if you're within soccer Twitter. Uh, but sort of how, how many members are involved and what are sort of each member's role 
uh, within the ladies' league currently speaking? Yeah, so uh, for me personally, I'm, you know, I do a lot of the media stuff, a lot of the video making and editing, anything that goes up on YouTube or on our Patreon that's a video. I'm usually quite heavily involved, whether that's filming it and editing it or, you know, just editing. Um, but yeah, so that that's what I do. And then Rose kind of runs the whole the whole show. So it, this is her baby and she pretty much, yeah, just kind of um, tells everybody what to do, delegates a lot of stuff. Um, she's, you know, primary contact. So she'll kind of get in touch with a bunch of people or people will get in touch with her. Um, Chrissy's like her right-hand man. Chrissy will just do anything that Rose tells her to do. Um, <laughs> but we have a lot of other girls, probably like another like 10 girls who who write articles or who help us with um, stats. And we have referees on the team as well. So, you know, we have lots of jokes about how much I don't like referees. Um, but, mm. yeah, there's... Uh, a lot of us just kind of work together to try and figure out how to make this game um, better, um, or not better, I guess, like how to talk about this game in a way that's entertaining. Yeah, I guess it's sort of the goal of everyone within Australian football currently, especially uh, using a lot of podcasts <laughs> um, being yeah. released. Uh, I contribute to that oversaturation of the um, Australian footballing uh, podcast market. Uh, but I think ultimately, at, at the end of the day, we all work together to <clears throat> place more spotlight on the game. I think it's obviously been very hard in, in recent months. But what a fantastic two weeks we've had, I think. Um, this has been a real awakening, spiritual awakening, <laughs> if, if you will. I think uh, for football to be the focus of the media, sports media, for about a week... It's still even extending towards the day where you see, even today. Well, I think was it yesterday or today where, where they announced the uh, sort of Queensland Academy stuff. Oh yeah, uh, I think it was yesterday they announced it. Yesterday, that'd be right. And uh, just to see, uh, even within the Australian football media, you see all these players moving overseas to Europe, which we'll get into, and and uh, and the effects on the on the W League. But uh, I guess broadly speaking. Um, there need to be more people that can speak up and provide a voice because ultimately our reach can only go so far. And with the, with the numerous contacts that we do have, uh, I guess myself and yourself and uh, Jono's, wherever it be, uh, it's our job to put Australian football on the map and where it should be. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's very important that, you know, people who do podcasts, um, journalists, anyone who has a blog, especially in Australian football, I think it's important to just keep talking about it. And even though it feels oversaturated, it's so important because, you know, we're in a country that it's not seen as big or as an, as important as rugby or cricket. And I think, you know, the more we continue to talk about it, it, you know, it, it's going to be shown that light of how important it is. But I guess, you know, at the moment, it's still a bit of a struggle when I grab a tele uh, the uh, newspaper um, at work and I look at it and I go to the back page to the sports section and it's still just giant stuff about rugby, even though we had a World Cup announcement that we we're going to be hosting it and that was still not huge. And um, I think that's yeah, still part yeah. of the problem. 
I guess someone who lives in Victoria, it's completely dominated by AFL and I'd say cricket to a, to a degree, but certainly it's very AFL centric. And I guess it's sort of AFL bias against the against the the real football. I'll put it that way. I'm not. Look, I I enjoy the AFL. Yeah. Um, as a Carl, as a Carlton supporter, I can't really enjoy it that much. But um, look t- to see um folks like uh Eddie Maguire and those in the media coming out all oh, saying thank God uh the MCG didn't get uh, a World Cup game or thank God Eddie Stadium didn't get a World Cup game. It's really quite disheartening to be honest. And you know, I'll go into the whole stuff about how Amy Park, you know, deserves more games and whatnot. Obviously, <laughs> we want to get as much action as we can for the Women's World Cup, but mm-hmm. uh, it's a real unfortunate thing where we want to celebrate such a landmark achievement for Australian football, and it still has to be clouded by all this rugby and, and AFL bias. Yeah, I mean, I'm New South Wales based, so I know I don't really see that much. Um... Yeah, yeah. AFL stuff, but I, I, I do. So. <laughs> I do. I do see a lot of rugby, like a lot of NRL, um, and that's where the bias comes in on our end here. It's all rugby, 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 and you know, it's. I I I used to be a massive rugby fan. I won't lie, but I think after you know so many, I don't know. There's there was a lot of reasons why I stopped watching, and I think it was. It, I don't know. It's so hard because. Football is such a beautiful game and it's so incredible to watch. And mm. the fact that it's just pushed to the side because, you know, it's not an Australian game or whatever is disheartening. Ridiculous. Yeah, and it's, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's ridiculous. crazy. At the, at the end of the day, yeah. Now, I guess yourself, Michelle, what's your background and what led you venturing forth into football? Obviously, you mentioned that you obviously – is it a recent uh, revelation or is it just more of just – it's always been there but it's sort of amplified now. Um, yeah, I, I'd say it's been there for a while, my my love of football. I used to play uh, a lot when I was younger, um, and I would get up and watch all the World Cup games with my dad. But yeah. um, on this day, five years ago, Chile won the Copa America for the first time. Yes, and yes, yes. And I remember waking up, watching it with... My mum, my dad, my brother, some family friends, and they were all over here at the house and we were all watching it and they won. And that was like the turning point for me where I was like, I can't go back to watching rugby after witnessing Yeah, this. it's actually, it's really interesting. We've actually got pretty similar sort of stories, but yeah, go on. Yeah, and so then, um, and I'd been wanting to go to Sydney FC games for a long time, always trying to beg my dad, let's go to a game, let's go to a game. And then I found out that my cousins and my uncle they were members of Sydney FC and I was, and they were like, come with us, we'll take you to a game. And so the first Sydney FC game I went to was a game against Adelaide and we lost. And it was the season oh, when, when Adelaide won uh, the grand final. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, But ever since then, yeah, I've just been going to pretty much every Sydney FC game. So 2015, yeah. end of 2015 was when I started going. Yeah, because Sydney FC, they didn't, they weren't really well ran back in the day, but now they're fantastic institution. The the way that they've uh, recruited the uh, staff and the management, mm-hmm. I think uh, Danny Townsend's done a brilliant job there uh, with the uh, with the contract dealings and whatnot. But that's a whole nother story we can get into. <laughs> but I guess my story, um, I don't know. It's it's really been there for me for a long time. I was I'm still I'm a massive Manchester United fan. Um, I remember having that 
12-13 jersey. That was really the first sort of season I started following the club. That Robin Van Persie um, season. Yeah. That's why. That's how I, I remember. That's how I remember it. I just remember watching. You'd watch the A League at like seven thirty, and then there'd be like a nine thirty Premier League kickoff on Fox, and those are like the days. Like, and it's a real shame that we we don't really have that anymore. But I guess that's how money works. Money talks. Yeah. Um, but. I guess broadly speaking, I guess it was that 2014 World Cup. I remember uh, my parents are South African, so for the 2010 World Cup, uh, I remember we would watch. I think we watched the World Cup final when Iniesta scored that. It was like 10 years ago, mm. crazy. And I think it's the love of the game, and I guess the cultural aspect, be it you know, obviously both being <laughs> of migrant families. It's a, it's, it's a really, and I spoke about this with Vince earlier today. It's the, the love of culture that really brings i think footballing families together and that's how we sort of vacillate ourselves between um afl and and rugby and whatnot yeah i mean i think football has such an atmosphere that you can't replicate in any other sport you know it's it's something that's so i don't know the, the passion that people have for this game is both admirable and terrifying you know? Oh yeah, no. So, yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> yeah, you, you definitely. I think uh, the, the terrifying aspect. I guess that's why the media. Uh, you know, Rebecca Wilson, rest in peace. Um, you know, she was a, a a very staunch scrutinizer scrutinizer of the Western New Wanderers groups, and I think uh, mm. it's that sort of uh, very narrow minded perspective people tend to have. Uh, when nothing falls in line with with their with their value set, oh, one one uh, one inkling of a flare getting lit, lit off, or um, any you know thing of chanting, it's 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 uh it's a different dynamic that's added to the Australian footballing landscape. And yeah, I, I do agree with you on that stance for sure. It's so yeah. I just remember in two thousand seventeen when Australia was versing Honduras to get into the World Cup for yeah, the qualifiers. Yeah. Mm. and Australia qualifies, they win, that's it, everybody go home, right? End of the day, whatever, you know, good job, well done, boys. You did the job. The next day, Peru was playing New Zealand in Peru to make it to the the World Cup. Oh, yes, I do remember this, yeah. And I was at the bar watching Peru play with a bunch of other Peruvians, so I'm half Peruvian, half Chilean, Um, Mm -hmm. and... um. When Peru won that game, it was like the middle of the day, but it felt like it was 10 p.m. at night because everybody was out celebrating. The place turned into a nightclub. They had music playing. The police yeah. came, kicked us out. We went to another pub. We got kicked out of that one. And we're just walking up and down George Street in, in Sydney, just celebrating a, a huge win. And like this is to get into the World Cup. And it was just that it's moment when I realized, like, that people in Australia just it's don't. It's a wonderful game. Yeah, they people understand. in Australia don't have that like mentality that yeah. it's like. You're and, in the World I, Cup. And, and yeah, I'll, I'll even extend that. You know, within, within the World Cup, 2018 World Cup, I was in France, um, in Bordeaux, on like French exchange, uh, on La Rue de, de, de la Judaïque. It's um in Bordeaux somewhere, city center. It was the semi final. Um, was it France against Belgium, and. Um, I was in a bar with like a lot of, well, obviously French people. <laughs> and uh, once they won the game, they were like, f- like flares outside the, the pub. 
there were buses coming through and there were like these young kids jumping on the buses and stuff. Uh, what else? They were like, they were, like waving flags. Like every single car that tried to get through that road, like <laughs> instantly blocked by all these fans. It was it, the passion that Europeans and I guess South Americans have for the game. It's really mm. unrivaled by any other sporting code. And I think it'd be a fantastic showing sorry fantastic showcase for this women's world cup to really you know show how amazing we are as a collective um the footballing public is 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 unbelievable and the next step is to convert these two million participants that we have into to two million um fans hopefully come the world cup yeah i mean i would hope so i mean it's a World Cup. We're finally having a World Cup at home. You like, see, that's incredible. You, you see, you see the the viewership statistics for the Matildas and the Socceroos. Uh, they're very strong. Uh, I've done a lot of research on that. The the, the Women's World Cup viewership uh, viewership statistics for 2019. They were very very strong. Yeah. And the Socceroos as was was very like I think I got a million Australian wide, which is very good. I'm um, mm. considering <laughs> like, but. I don't know. It's a uh, it's, it's a very tough task to to unravel. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's it's just Australian culture. You know, it's not it's not about showing how you feel, and you don't celebrate loudly in Australia. And yeah, I feel like I, that's we, yeah. you know something that I wish would change because um. Well, we're going to host the World Cup here, and I think we should be the loudest fans. We should be the most passionate, you know? Yeah. This is our World Cup to win. So, really, like, we, we got to be loud and, and crazy and having the best time, really. So, I think something that really does showcase the, the passion that we have for football and for women's football more broadly is the um, She Kicks Like a Girl documentary which in my opinion is one of the best pieces that have been made within our Australian <laughs> public media. Honestly, like I've seen Ben Cooden documentaries on November 16 and the Western Sydney Wanderers stuff. I've seen, uh, I <laughs> try to stay away from the Sydney FC documentaries, to be honest. No, that's, that's kind <laughs> of documentaries. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'll be honest. I think un- uh, I haven't actually watched the, um, the record. Was it the record breakers? Yeah, I, record it's on breakers. KO somewhere. Yeah. I, haven't, I haven't watched it. I watched Believe though. That's oh, when Antona scores. Oh man brilliant stuff that's not nice <laughs> I know. Nice to bring up. <laughs> uh, anyway but uh no it's it's a, for for you all to make that documentary sheet it's it's i'll put it in, in the description um yeah, she kicks like a girl it's got bare views it deserves more uh but what went into that making that documentary obviously you mentioned you're on involved in the uh video editing stuff so i'm not sure how involved you were but uh describe that process and uh what it took to put that piece of uh work together so it actually came up um i remember when i first met the girls um we were doing a kit launch for the first season of the jerseys of the ladies league and i was sitting down with them and talking and i was like hey you know you guys are probably the best people i can talk to about this but i'm I want to make a documentary on women's football. Um, I think, you know, it'd be important to showcase. So this is this, so this is your brainchild. Oh, this is great. <laughs> yeah, like this is where it came from. And this was ages ago. And we're sitting down having lunch and talking about it. And they were like, okay, like that's like a really good idea. Like let's do it. And then it wasn't until a few months later 
um, or like a month later, Rose messaged me and she was like, well, let's get together and chat more about it. And I was like, easy, sounds good. And then, yeah, Chrissy was there, obviously, and we had Miriam, um, who's Cahill Express on Instagram, and, you know, we got her involved. And basically it was just a way to kind of, yeah, talk about the women's game within Australia, within, you know, MPL academies. And we managed to get Kai Simon in it as well, um, which was really cool. Like we got Tara Rushton involved and it was just, um, yeah. So Rose sent me to Adelaide and Melbourne to go and film um, some stuff. And we worked with South Melbourne a lot and it was just, I don't know. I remember I was editing this video, well, this documentary, until like four o'clock in the morning, making sure that it was ready. And I watched it like 40 times. How many hours of footage did you actually have in the end? Oh, I couldn't tell you how many hours, but like I filmed over like, it would be like a week or something, maybe. Like I had to go through quite a bit. The real uh, question is, can we we get a feature length film uh, before the World Cup? Oh, (laughs) like, I mean, I would love to release something huge before the World Cup. But I mean, that's a... that's a lot of work to do and you know obviously we all still have our day jobs that we do and and it you know exactly. unfortunately you know working is like working a you know a part-time job is the only way to kind of keep the ladies league going as well because you know a lot of the stuff we do comes out of pocket so um exactly like this whole documentary was yeah but we probably spent quite a bit of money on it um just to try and travel around and and get around places and especially like when I was in Adelaide and Melbourne like I didn't have a car so I was just getting Ubers everywhere because I'm not taking public transport like a pleb so oh man no it's not that bad really (laughs) I take Ubers everywhere too yeah no but it was um yeah it was it was a really interesting project to work on um and because realistically at the time I didn't really know Rose and Chrissy all that well I you know, we kind of just spoke here and there, but um, now, you know, we've got a, a solid friendship and which is really nice. And um, yeah, but it was a, a great project to work on. And, you know, I'm quite happy with how it turned out. Everyone has said really ni- nice things about it, which is, which is great, which is what I want to mm. hear. But um, yeah, I think, you know, I'd love to, well, I think we all would like to make, you know, something like that again. Yeah, I think it's really a matter of time. And I think uh, if you can get this crowdfunded, I'm sure it would definitely get a lot of crowdfunding. <laughs> yeah, well, but, that'd be uh, great. I'll, I'll, yeah, I, I'm willing to you know do anything to, to make this a reality, personally. I think it's uh, certainly, as someone who has not really followed women's football that broadly um, for in the past couple of years, to see the sort of boom in popularity of, of the women's game it's fantastic for me. My cousin um, played for South Melbourne um, and she represented Australia. I'm not sure if you know about the Maccabee Games, but they're the, um, it's sort of the Jewish Olympics. So basically they get all the uh, Jewish athletes to go to Israel and they play um, in all sports. But uh, she was involved in, in that team as well, for many oh, wow. teams actually. Um, I'm not sure if you know the keeper from the, in the W League, Melissa Mazels. Mm-hmm. Um so she, they found out, so one of the players got injured in the Australian team. And then they found out that Melissa Mazels had like a, a Jewish grandmother. So then she went to Israel and just the, the sheer excitement that is, is, uh, 
is cultivated amongst these sporting teams is is truly amazing. And the fact that the W League is, I feel it's it's a really like amazing community. Yeah. And I think uh, it's such a wonderful thing that um, people like yourself can bring attention to to the game. And she kicks like a girl. I think it's it's a well produced, well thought out uh, project. And uh, it's only twenty minutes long, but it's it's easily there's there's a you could probably do an hour essay on it or hour video essay on it. It's it's that amazing. So uh, really do re- I recommend you check that out. And hopefully we can see more content uh, of that same ilk in the future. But we go into the Women's World Cup a little bit. The uh, first interview I did after that was with uh, Craig Moore, um, a legend of the game, obviously. Mm. Um, obviously mentioned that it's, it's a landmark moment for Australian football. This is really my first time to really take it in, take in the excitement. I remember um, strolling along in my corridor at school on Friday with sheer excitement uh, after we uh, won that bid. But the proudest moment in Australian footballing history in recent memory, uh, I'd even say it's bigger than the Asian Asian Cup win. Uh, mm. Describe the feeling amongst those in the ladies' league. Obviously, you did a lot of promo work. Um the day before in Sydney. Uh, I want to know, first of all, did you get any of those scarves? And second of all, uh, did you... <laughs> and I guess second of all, I think I already said it. Uh, how was it? Like, I'm not sure if you have a group chat or anything, but describe yeah. the sort of we've, excitement we've, that... We've got a group yeah. chat. And uh, so that day, Rose and I drove out to to the city to go see the Opera House that had the... um the the photos along the opera house and so we drove out there to go see it take photos and then um went home and we both like the whole chat was awake everybody was staying up Mm. all night no one was going to sleep and I was very pessimistic about the whole situation I thought we were not gonna win to be honest like as someone from South America did you not feel that oh this would be great if Colombia could get it (laughs) yeah I mean I wasn't disappointed. <laughs> like, yeah, like I wasn't like, oh, what a shame if it goes to Colombia. Like, you know, it was like, oh, well, if it goes to Colombia, like I can go to South America and enjoy my time there. Um, but yeah, the chat went wild. Everybody was like uh, on cloud nine. It was crazy. I think I got about three hours sleep. Um, I went to work the next day and I just ran up to the first employee that I saw and I was like, oh my God, we got it. We're going to the World Cup. And he was like, what are you going on about? Um, But yeah, everybody was super excited. Um, Tracy, who is our New Zealand representative, um, we didn't hear from her for an entire day. We were a little bit worried we were like oh my god (laughs) this news has got to her and she's uh she's gone somewhere else but um no it was really good everybody was stoked um i'm pretty sure chrissy cried like four times so yeah but um it's such a such a oh wow i think uh first of all i fell asleep 15 minutes before (laughs) it got announced (laughs) (laughs) oh that was so i think i got up at 5 a.m i just saw the my football notification and I was just like, yes, like just a little fist bump. And, yeah. uh, but really, I think it's um, when you see Scott Morrison wear a Matilda scarf to his press conference, mm. you know it means something. And I think uh, it extends to the amount of media presence there. Um, was it in the Sydney Opera House gardens? I don't even know. I don't even know if there's gardens that haven't been in Sydney in a while. 
but uh, I think the press and how the bid was managed by all the key stakeholders involved, and I think it was a really amazing moment for those involved in Australian football. Absolutely. And I think uh, the job for us, uh, as you know, I think we're, we're involved in the media to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, is to continue sharing these stories and to focalize on a, on women's football for the next couple of years but hopefully beyond that there can be it could be a very equal split and how it should be for i mean we've got one of the best women's players in the world playing uh for australia mm. uh, sam kerr and then you've got players like ellie carpenter playing for the best women's arguably the best women's club in the world being now Lyon. Yeah. so it's a would you would you say it's it's almost a golden generation for women's football uh, yeah, yes, I think so. Um, it's hard to say because these girls are so young still. And it's like... Yeah, that's true. Though. They, they could yeah. still play in another World Cup after this one. You know, Ellie mm. is only 20 years old. Like, she's that's still crazy. got, like, another, like, it's four actually World mental. Cups. Yeah, like, she's so young. And, you know, and a lot of the girls there are in their mid-20s. So, you know... I, I think, yes, you can say it's a, a golden generation of sorts, um, but I think I think the most important thing is that come like this World Cup coming, like we need to be able to do better than we did in this last World Cup. Oh, yeah, no, it, was a, it wasn't a good performance, to be honest, I think. Uh, it wasn't great, but I don't think that no. the, the changing of coaches like three months out from a world cup helped nah. in any way. So, and obviously we all know about the Alan Sturgeon situation. And I thought that was a bit, yeah, I'm not going to put my personal view on it, but anyway, uh, I think the real test is if Ante Milicic does decide to take the Matilda's job, which has been a very hotly debated topic amongst, um, the Australian footballing fraternity in the past couple of weeks. Mm. Um, look, it's a real d- difficult, thing to sort of uh, do I think they'll do better than last year the Matildas absolutely um depends how far they go really I think they need for me personally they need a coach who's worked with women's football before and that was the problem with Ante is that this was his first gig at working in the women's game and people can be like oh yeah but coaching is all the same but it's like not really, you know, men and women work differently. That's just how it is. Absolutely. Mm, and I sure. think, you know, you need to have a coach who has worked with women's football um, and who's been successful in it as well. And So Joe Montemurro, Joe, uh, how, how do you pronounce his last name? Montemurro. Montemurro. I thought it was hard. I thought it was hard. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. Joe Montemurro from Arsenal. He's obviously oh, very successful. The dream. The no, he's dream. A dream yeah. See, I don't, I don't see. The thing is, I, I don't see him taking a job. This year, I seem taking. I I think uh, for him to give up that job at Arsenal would be a very big ask. Mm, uh, agreed. Considering he's basically building that squad around the likes of Caitlin Ford and um, uh, Seth Catley, uh, I think it's going to be a very difficult thing for him to give up that gig. But I think for Ante, he's reportedly getting offered one point five million from Macarthur over three years and three hundred fifty thousand dollars a year from Matilda. So that's about. Wow. Maths, Neil, come on. Uh, one about a million from the Matildas over the three years, and one point five million from Macarthur. But you get more exposure with Matildas, so and you also get. I think, in my opinion, to manage a team in a home World Cup is something that is a once in a lifetime experience. 
But just wanted to hear from you. Would you prefer, um, I don't even know, Jeff, Cop- Jeff Hopkins uh, as well? He's also someone I'm very well uh, very well known. Who's this? Who's this in the FC W League coach? I don't know. Ante Urich. Ante Urich. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, so do you think any of those coaches should be considered for the uh, Matilda's job? I think so. I think Ante Urich has a very good track record. Um, you know, he's done well with Sydney FC. So I think... You know, he's and and you know, Stadge was Sydney FC's coach before taking the Matildas gig. So, you know, I think that there are a few coaches in, in the W League who could probably put their hand up to take on the national team job, but you know, obviously for me, ideally I would love Joe Montemuro to to coach the national team, but you know, like you said, you know, I don't think he would want to move away from this Arsenal squad that he's worked so hard to build. You know, he's got, in my opinion, the best women's player, Viviana Miedema, playing on his team. So why would you want to give that up? And um, exactly, yeah. especially when, you know, they're a, a solid team that wins trophies, they win games. And um, yeah, it's and it's a huge club, but I think... You know, if Australia can push to try and get him, I think that would be the best idea. And in my opinion, I think that would be us winning the World Cup if we had Joe. I think uh, the style of play he presents at Arsenal is really fascinating to see how he sort of it's it's a very well 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 oiled, well structured machine that he that he's produced there. And I yeah. think uh, if you, if you can implement that to, to the Matilda squad. Um, you know, the Matildas have got so many linguistic players. Um, the, the, that 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 front <laughs> that front four, front three, whatever you like to call it, mm. is deadly. And uh, you 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 get a tactical mastermind in Joe Montemiro um, to yeah, coach well, the Matildas. He's... It's 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 uh, going to be a very difficult uh, time for the opposition. Yeah, well, I mean, he's coached you know Melbourne Victory and Melbourne City, and he's won with them. So, and he's won with Arsenal. Um, as well so you know he can he knows how to win you know is what I'm trying to say and so I think Mm -hmm. Australia I I think they should try and and push to try and get him as much as it would pain me as an Arsenal fan to see him leave um but I think we win then (laughs) yeah like I think it'd be great to see him coach Australia and I think I'm pretty sure I've heard that England are also trying to get him to coach the Lionesses. And, That's right. Um, yes, I would be very upset if he coached the Lionesses over. That's going to be the sort of the second, the second. Uh, well, because the English FA didn't vote for the World Women's World Cup, yes. which actually got a lot of uh, a lot. <laughs> James Johnson flat out, Chris Nicker flat out, not happy with that at all. Uh, which you know, fair enough. Uh, I'm not going to comment on on, on the voting <laughs> block, uh, but I think uh, we get guys like Eddie Maguire coming out and saying stuff like, "Oh, we'll we'll, uh, we'll be there for a world war." It's a bit different, to be honest. But I, I guess I've sort of detracted from the from the original sentiment. But yeah, I think Joe Montemiro will be a stunning coup for the for the national team. I think if if Milicic could stay in the role and sort of nurture his his uh, his squad, uh, make make them more acclimatized to his style of play, to his style of play would be really important. Mm. But I guess the sheer amount of international games that women do play 
in contrast to men's, um, it sort of allows for a quicker integration. Would that be right? What do you mean? As in, uh, I mean, women, uh, there there seems to be a lot of more women's national team games than compared to men's just because of the, the volume of games that, that do get played across Australia. Yeah. Um, so do you think it would be easier for uh, the likes of Joe Montemuro or uh, Jeff Coppins or uh, anyone like that to integrate themselves in the squad? Because I guess with, uh, with Ante, only having, what, three, four months to... <laughs> really get involved in the job um and because someone coming towards the end of the w league seasons uh and and european seasons and i guess sort of the middle of the uh, american season the nwsl it would have been hard for him to tact to to make the squad tactically adapt to his style of play but do you think it would be easier for over the course of what three years three years they've got Mm -hmm. if someone else comes in so yeah if someone came in now say Milicic leaves and you know the FFA hires someone now I think within three years you would be quite comfortable with your team mm. and you would be knowing what you're doing but because I because under Stajic sorry he he was they, they were a very nice team yeah they were solid. You know, he, he very solid and it's a real obviously that's a real shame but um <laughs> You know, I think I'd rather manage the Matildas than the Central Coast. I think anyone would rather manage the Matildas than the Central Coast Mariners, to be honest. Yes. Uh, but uh, not, not no shade against them. We all love Marvin, you, you guys especially. Uh, yeah. That's the best thing to come out of Central Coast in since uh, since the Soul Spoils, I'd say. Uh, but anyway, it's it's a real tough debacle to deal with. But I guess it's really sort of leading to my next sort of query for you the player exodus to europe and Ooh. i guess you well usa is not really exodus so just you play in each season mm. uh caitlin ford emma checker ellie carpenter steph catley stam kerr uh there's probably more i could name but there's too many mary fowler as well uh what effects will this have on, on the w league more broadly will it dampen the quality of the competition uh especially during a time where there needs to be more emphasis placed on our domestic uh, women's leagues. Uh, this is this going to be a very negative thing, or do you think this is just a sort of a a positive thing that there are more talent, there's the, there's better talent playing overseas? It goes two ways, I think. I think it goes both ways. I think yes, it's good because it means that our national team is just going to get better. Like they're they're. I'm also very much like happy that they're going to Europe and not going to America anymore. Um, I think going to Europe, they will get one, a, a new experience of football and, and it, learn a new style as well. And, um, and I think that can only be a good thing for the national team. But when it comes to our league here, the W league, I think, yeah, there's going to be a bit of a problem because, you know, kids, Young girls know about the Matildas and they want to come to these games to see the Matildas play, you know? Exactly. And it's a very different culture within women's football compared to, like, you know, when you're a little boy or whatever and you go to a a men's game because you're not there to see national team players. You're there to see the the squad. You're there to see the club. Um, Whereas I feel like what the Matildas have done is become – some sort of, you know, 
like phenomenon that everybody just wants to see them and the other players on in in the club and in the team aren't seen as important because they're not national team players and I think that's something that really needs to change within you know Australian football is you know you go see the the team because you support the team you know go watch Melbourne City Sydney FC Canberra whatever go see them because you want to see that team play not so much because you want to see Sam Kerr or Caitlin Ford or Chloe Mm, Garza exactly you know and um and I think that's going to be um be a bit of a problem but I think at the same time I when I think about it here like where I live in the northern beaches it's a very big footballing community which might surprise a lot of people but it's huge here and when they play W League games in this area um they're like one chroma park game they have it, it's massive and you know they get a, a solid turnout so I think it's just about how they want to promote the game and how they are going and how they're going to do that because I think that's the so most you, important thing. So I guess in that way, do you think that the future W League expansion side so should maybe shouldn't necessarily be directly attached to A League side? So, for instance, uh, obviously Wellington are going to um, lobby uh, W League side, and rightly so. Uh, but do you think they should sort of adopt a, a similar model to the A League expansion? where you can, I, I guess, I put it this way. Let's say um, South Melbourne want to bid for a W League license, but not an A League license. Do you think that they should be able, should be allowed to do that? Or do you think it's sort of just less attached to the A League bid to the W League bid as well? Um, personally, I think that if you have a men's club, you should have a women's club, you know? Yeah. And I think that's the same thing. Like in Canberra, they have Canberra United women's and a youth, but they mm. don't have a men's team. Like they should have a men's team. I think yeah. a club should be one for all. Like it's one club mentality is the way that I always say it, the way that I always think Great. about it is, you know, it's not Sydney FC women's and Sydney FC men's. It's just Sydney FC. And I think that is what should is how it should be. But I also think before they think about expanding the league, they should make it a proper full home and away season. You know, mm, this league yeah, is semi-professional. Fully, no, it's not even a professional yeah, yeah. league. Like, how yeah, are we going exactly. to host the World Cup and we don't even have a league that's professional? Like, and know. I guess that's I guess that's where the sort of uh, nerves came about during that final week of preparation when they announced. I think it was a couple of weeks before when the Japanese announced they announced a fully professional women's women's league, which was a very big. Um, it definitely played in their favor. Obviously, they they obviously pulled out, but yeah, um, I, I'm I am have full confidence that. James, this is on the uh, priority list for James Johnson to make this league professional. Yes, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure it's James Johnson is a very pragmatic individual. I'd love to speak to him. Yeah. I think uh, I've actually I've actually had this idea of that there should be all the podcasters and all the news media outlets that are more casual based, just to have a Zoom call with him and just sort of discuss what our role is. And how we want to improve it, I think James would definitely be open to that idea. Cool. If he, yeah, I think I'd be sick, you know, to for us to have a direct conversation with him and uh, really detail our concerns. Um, obviously, you know, we all love we all love to joke around on Twitter and and Facebook and whatnot. But mm. at the end of the day, these are these are things that must be made a priority. The fact that our women's league is not professional 
It's a travesty. It really yeah. is. And uh, especially, I would even argue the talent that the women they're producing are on, on a greater scale than the men's. I mean, let's let's be honest here. Um, do you see any of our men's players playing for Arsenal? No. <laughs> uh, or Chelsea? Uh, yeah. No. Uh, so I think, uh, why I not think, capitalize on that? Yeah, absolutely. You know? I think there's, you know... We have so much talent here and not just talent within the W League. There's heaps of talent in MPL leagues as well. And I think we exactly, need to, um, yeah. we need to capitalize on that. We need to, you know, take that and, and run with it and show people what we've got here because there's a lot of talent and there's a lot of kids playing and we need to be able to show them that this is a future prospect for them, that they can do this as a career. Yes. And, and I guess, yeah. Yeah, so... For me, first things first, make the league professional. Full home and away seasons because I want to do Canberra away. <laughs> That's all I want. That's, it's not not a bad city, to be fair. I've been there like once, like six years ago or something. It was it was a nice, uh, nice, nice little city. But yeah, uh, I guess they've. I think within that eleven principles document, which I recommend you watch. Uh, I'm sure you have, but the Nick Rapolo uh video very nice mm. from such an amazing young man uh <laughs> uh but they they talked about having a women's a women's football show i think sbs toyed with the idea a couple of years back but yeah. uh should the a league should they dub should the ladies league uh should they head that or should <laughs> you get more 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 um how do you say uh, more senior members of the footballing community there because I think Optus Sport did a fantastic job with their bid show as well. Mm. It really shows the potential for what this uh, women's football show could be like. Uh, maybe with the FFA TV thing, obviously with the um, what's it called? Uh, the FFA Cup, they could launch that as well. It's really up to them. Uh, so, what are your thoughts on that? I'm not sure if you heard about it either. Yeah, I saw briefly about the the women's show which i think is a great idea i think i think that w league and women's football should have their own thing separate from the men's i don't think it always needs to be attached to them i think when it comes to like when you're representing like yes you know having the club as one club it's sydney fc or melbourne city or brisbane Raw, whatever but i think when you want to talk about the game you know they don't need to be compared to or spoken to in the same thing so i think having a show that's just like solely based on the women's game with women who are talking about it i think is very important for for us for me personally like as a woman in football i think it's important for me to be able to see things like that as well and i think i know yeah i'm just i'm just watching this this uh this show the the women's game show yeah which is a pilot episode I know it was seven years ago, but like, really? Like, is that the best I could come up with? <laughs> I think they could, I really, that's quite ridiculous. But I think even the content that you guys produce is even better. But um, to specifically to quote what they said, they said, um, by, tw- by 2035, the future of the game has secured, has been secured via the creation of an entity which has enhanced, this is all hypothetical, um, which has en- enhanced commercial opportunities for the game via in- innovative solutions such as the digital football hub and the production of its own content, obviously the pretty much a confirmation that the FFA TV will exist. Mm. And obviously within that, it's creation of a women's football, the women in football TV shows, which I think is um, a vital component of the game. Absolutely. That we must, uh, that we must implement. 
but I guess my final question, where to next for the for the ladies league? I want to purchase one of those scarves oh, that scarves. you have yes. for, for pre-order. Uh, I do want to purchase one of those. Uh, they look very nice. I do recommend <laughs> you check them out. Uh, cool. Subscribe to that. Subscribe to their Patreon page as well as ours. Uh, we've got some great content, and they do as well. Uh, get access to our new guests, and thanks to our one Patreon subscriber, uh, Andy Ten. Is uh, where to next for the ladies' league in the next? Or well, obviously taking on this uh, women's World Cup celebration. Uh, the hangover is almost over. Um, <laughs> the honeymoon, if you will. Uh, so how do we, well, how do you, as a, as a, as a football voice, uh, improve your standing and I guess uh, diversify? Um, I think for us, obviously, we want to do a lot more uh, video content. Um, I think that's one way that we're heading. And I think that's what we want to do leading up to the World Cup is to make sure that we have good content coming out that, you know, we can have entertaining stuff for people to watch. Um, that's, you know, somewhat informative in terms of football as well, but we are wanting to do a lot of really cool things. We have a few projects, um, coming up in the works, um, Fantastic. that can't talk about, but we do have things I coming up, ask. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, those things are very secretive. It yeah. Will, definitely. Yeah. All under wraps, yeah. but they're, you know, we've, we've got, we've got plans and, um, they should yeah. be cool and exciting and I, I hope people enjoy them as well. And um, But yeah, you know, we want to move and do a lot of media, a, a lot more video content. So, oh, oh I do want to mention something. Sorry. <laughs> I just remember this now. I didn't even put my notes. Right. Anyway, so yeah, Greg O'Rourke uh, shouted you guys out. He did. Uh, yes. So I guess, have you had any direct com- communication with... Uh, those in the A-League? Or are they, they'd they be a little bit busy at the moment, wouldn't you think? Probably. Um, Rose, because when we saw it, someone sent it in the group chat and we were all like, oh my God, like crazy. Because he mentioned A-League memes as well. And yeah. we were all laughing. And then he mentioned us and we were like, oh, like that's so random. Like, that's wow, yeah. very, very cool to be noticed. Um, and... For Rose, she was like, yeah, like, you know, he says a lot of stuff and we do a lot of stuff, so it makes sense. But she was so cool about it. And I was like, I don't know how you're so calm about these things. I'd be like, I don't know, waving my scarf or a flag around and being going crazy because I don't know. I think it's very cool when anyone kind of acknowledges us. We got a follow from Tim Cahill the other day as well. Yeah. Tim Cahill follow us and he liked That's the it. the translation video that we made as well. And I was like, That's uh, so random. Tim Cahill. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So it's always very cool when I guess people acknowledge you and, you know, see the work that you're doing. Because it means that you've done so, something. Yeah. I think it's brilliant to even within our little bubble, the fact that someone like Gregor Rourke is uh, is a uh, is very aware of uh, soccer Twitter. Is it a good thing? Yes. Is it a bad thing? Maybe. Um, <laughs> I, I would only hope what they see is um, the positive side of soccer Twitter. But obviously, you you mentioned you want to do more media stuff. So uh, with the large contingent of writers that you guys have, uh, is is uh, media accreditation something that you have already, or is it? something that you want to pursue in the future? 
Um, I think it's something that we're looking towards. We don't currently yeah, have okay. it, um, and there was a lot of reasoning for why that. Yeah, Rose has lots of reasoning for it. Um, but I think it's definitely something that we've been thinking about, especially with the World Cup coming up. Yeah, I think that's really good to see more people in the press box. You do not get enough people in the press box anymore. But, you know, hey, look, I think uh, there are obviously a lot of, uh, from my understanding, there are a lot of multimedia companies that are looking to start up now as a result of the Women's World Cup. And hopefully we do see more of those in the media with the, with the departures of the likes of, um, let me try and figure it out, Craig Foster, Tom Smithies, David Davidovic, uh, Val, um, who else would it be? Um, there's more in there. Hmm. Anyway, uh, like th- those guys, especially very Sydney focused. Uh, it's a very sad thing to see these guys uh, disappear from our football landscape. Yeah. But hey, look, it leaves um, a large void to be filled. And trust me, there are a multitude of writers that are raring to go and ready to cover the men's game as well as the women's game. So uh, the ladies league, in my opinion, have done a fantastic job uh Honestly, very professionally run, if I'll be honest. Uh, oh, for for in, in, for an institution that is very um, comedy based, and the the your ability to deviate from seriousness and comedy, and also ultimately f- put the focus on women covering the game is the most important thing. And I really admire that from a from a neutral perspective. So yeah, yeah. We well, we appreciate that. I mean, I think all of us put in a lot of effort and, you know, we try our hardest to make sure that we're putting something out there that, that we can be proud of. Um, and that I think is going to have a positive effect on football and in our culture here in Australia. So yeah, very, very thankful for those comments. Thank you. Uh, so one final little thing. Yes. Uh, when did Simon Hill call you very politically incorrect? I I, I tried to find it, but I couldn't, I think he said it to Rose. I think he might Rose because Rose uses it a lot, and she was the um, obviously the founder of the the organization. So I have no idea, but they, it must have been in person. Oh yes, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nah, Simon is he's, he's a oh man. I I, will, I I really wish that Fox would have um red hired him. Such a nice guy, such a nice bloke. Mm. Had him on the pod the other week. Oh, he's a. It's a real shame to see him go, but look, yeah. the outpouring of support that he's gotten is well deserved, and I think uh, we'll see what happens for sure. I think Nick Rupolo, I think he tweeted about it, and he said that I think it was him. Someone said it, and they were saying like, "It, yes, it's sad, but it also, you know, it, it carves a new road for for young people to try and get into this." Um, industry as well like now there's an opportunity for someone new to come in someone who's grown up listening to simon hill so i think that's a really positive thing that we can take from it as well yeah i fully agree with that i think uh the relationship that you guys have with nick is is very strong and he's obviously a very young guy as well Mm -hmm. older than me but still very young but uh, he's just got such an uh, amazing level of charisma and and intelligence at the end of the day. And yeah. I think uh, the fact that he's involved with a lot of your content is, is really important. And I'd love to see more collaborations as well. Um, 
I want yeah. you to try and get on to, to, to the soccer to the soccer podcast, guys. I think <laughs> they are hilarious. Uh, I'm not sure if you're too familiar with those guys, but uh, there are a lot of young folk within our community that definitely um, would love to collaborate. Uh, you know, from A League podcasts, from for fuck's sake, to Sky Blue Stories, as you mentioned before, mm. um, to Around the Block, to Rawcast. I don't even know how many podcasts there are, but uh, ultimately I think football media is in good hands moving forward. It's yeah. not in good hands right now, but uh, it's uh, it's a work in progress. That's why I sort of phrase always. But uh, yeah, with people like you at the helm, uh, we're in a safe place in the future. Absolutely. I think... I think we can only go forward from here. I think a lot of people are worried and panicking, thinking that we're going backwards. But I think, the, you know, with the announcement of the World Cup bid, I think we're, we're going to be okay. I think people need to take a, a chill pill. Someone needs to relax a little bit. I think we're, we'll be fine. Yeah, at the end of the day, um, we're a very tight-knit community. And Daniel Garb's sentiments from the other week still rain true in today uh whether this termination with fox sports does eventuate which i think it will um that's just the natural course of that that football must take and uh ultimately you your myself and your goal for the game is for the game to be the biggest in australia will it achieve that one day i hope I certainly hope so uh we've reached the heights of 2014 with alessandro del piero and hopefully in a couple of years, we'll see what we reach the heights of 2023 with uh, the Women's World Cup. So yeah. you never know. It's a, Football's a strange entity and you never know what can happen. You never know what the Australian consumer will be attracted to. That, that's, <laughs> that's pure blank at the end of the yeah. day. So um, yeah, that's that's all I've got to say. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having uh, me. This has actually been my first podcast that I've actually recorded the day before. So uh, this is uh, very raw, very fresh uh, for your listening uh, endeavors. Uh, we've got some big podcasts coming up soon. Uh, we've got the likes of Chris Gantonas uh, this week. Nick Rapolo will be out this week as well. Uh, and there's a lot of content for you guys to consume. Uh, definitely check out the Ladies League if you haven't already. And uh, yeah, that's all I've got to say. Of course, no worries. Have a fantastic evening and uh, roll the outro.